0: This morning, as we're continuing the series called Multiplying the Book of Acts, we're in chapter 12 now, starting in verse 1. I'm going to do something this morning um, that goes directly against what wise grandmothers have been saying, uh, I don't know, forever. Have uh, you ever heard this saying? Whatever you do, don't talk about religion and politics in mixed company. Something along those lines like if you're meeting new people and you're in a room and you're, you're set to get together, you know, the things you don't bring up are religion and politics if you want to keep people united and together. What? Oh, she's heard it. you ever heard that? This morning, the whole sermon is on religion and politics. So I'm going against everything that she said. But, you know, I didn't come up with, What's here, we came to it at chapter 12, and so we're going to talk about it. It might be uncomfortable, uh, and you're saying, where is he going? Where is this going to go? This can go nowhere from here. But I ask you to just hold on and listen uh, just for a little bit. I was in uh, Faith Life Market this week. We hosted the Pike County Ministerial Association meeting down there uh, on Wednesday, I think, Thursday. I can't remember what day. Uh, but there was a gentleman in there, after it was over, he'd come in, and he was looking at books, and his, his name was J.D. Runyon, and he's a, he's a retired chemistry teacher from Elkhorn City. And he happened to be, Chris was with me, happened to be one of Chris's teachers from, from high school. Uh, and then I started talking to him, and I asked him if he knew Jeff and Ramona, who live up that way. And uh, Emily said, I know Brian, and Emily know all of them. And so Brian Addis, he was saying, they, they get into some fun political discussions. And so we just kind of started talking, and he started sharing with me as a teacher, and he said some things like, you know, I taught 30 years, and like progressively I saw over the years and over the time, uh, like the students progressively getting worse. Like more, just more rude, more, uh, more um, uh, 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 just directly rude. He, I think one of the words he said was gross. They got g- more gross over the decades. And so he said he had this thing. He asked them questions every year. He would say, you know, who lives in this community? Who's from this community? And, you know, everybody would raise their hands. And, uh, and, and he said, uh, who teaches Sunday school? Right, that's kind of a joke. And none of the students taught Sunday school. Nobody would raise their hands. And he would say, well, who goes to Sunday school? Who goes to church on Sundays? And it, he said, progressively over the years, there were less and less hands that went up and he just was drawing this kind of uh this connection point that over time people had moved away from the church they weren't attending like they once were and then we got into politics so we went from religion and church to politics and you know he went down all the roads we go down right now right trump biden all the stuff and um, I was just kind of listening. I really don't participate in many of those discussions and debates. And you'll probably know why after this morning. Because <laughs> God's laid some heavy things on my heart this morning, okay? Um, and so I started thinking, you know, maybe, well, why aren't people going to church anymore in places like that? And I, I begin to think that maybe it's because our churches were at one time culturally connected to a time and a season, but they never changed. Maybe everything the culture of the children are experiencing and seeing what things are like, the church was no longer like it because they held closely to their traditions and expectations and rules more closely to that than the gospel. Uh, Maybe they maintained the status quo, drawing a line in the the sand to ever surrender their man-made expectations, rules, rules, requirements. They refused to connect with culture and maintain real and relevant. Maybe they focused, this is just me thinking, I'm trying to figure this out. Maybe they focused more on their own comfort and condemnation of those who weren't with them than sharing the gospel with those around them through love, service, and truth. Maybe they became symbols of self-righteousness instead of symbols of hope. Maybe they became the place you avoided when you messed up instead of the place you ran to. Maybe they became distracted and became more like clubs and political machines rather than being the hands and feet of Christ carrying the gospel to the next generation? I don't know. Maybe there's some. Maybe there's not some. Maybe that resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. There's something here about religion and politics that we get to in chapter 12. This place is quiet. Y'all are like, never this quiet. There's some, there's some things we get to here in chapter 12 that just jumped out to me about politics. If you want to say, well, what's, what's your main point today? What are you trying to get to? Uh, I, I, want, I, want you to I want you to hear this, that when, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we say, I'm going all in on Jesus, then we have to lay down the world's measuring stick of what success looks like, of what, what is expected. Because here we had some hung, people who were hungry, for power that's what we get to in this passage and so we're, we're bombarded with measuring sticks in life right the world's measuring sticks like uh and and some of these are going to be that's totally obvious and some not maybe it's like how many followers do i have on instagram like all my friends have more followers than me they're getting more likes than me or maybe it's the filter on instagram have you seen what those things can do to your face I mean, it's the crazy things, but also they make you look like perfect or whatever that is. It's like they defined themselves the baseline of beauty instead of God. And now we got all these people trying to live up to that measuring stick. Maybe it's the address we live in, the neighborhood we live in. Maybe it's the type of car we drive. Maybe it's how much is our bank account. Uh, maybe it's the hobbies that we have and where we golfed last weekend or where we, you know, where we went to the best spa or all these things. Maybe it's degrees. Maybe it's salary. Uh, um, but what we find here is the root of mankind, like this, from the, the time mankind sinned and Adam broke free, is this one measuring stick, this one thing, this hunger, that is dangerous, and it's a hunger for power, power and influence. The pressure of who you know, who do you know, who can you call, who can you text, and get something done. Saw a post about a local general store this week, uh, and it was talking about local politics. I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember the press pre- pres- precinct, uh, but they said if you get this guy's. To win this precinct, you've got to have his say-so. Right? Is this the way the world works that we live in? And so what we have here, you say, when's he going to get to the Bible? Well, I want to take you first is Mark chapter 10. I know we're in Acts chapter 12, but we're going to talk about James. I want to tell you something about James. I'm going to give you some points to think about. This is James and John, the sons of Zebedee, closely, many times mentioned with Peter. These were the brothers who were fishermen who left everything to go follow Jesus. And here it says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him, spoke to Jesus. They said, teacher, Uh, and then they said, we want you to do us a favor. He said, well, what's your request? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor. The title of today's message is Places of Honor. They said we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. You see, because the disciples were still confused about Jesus. They thought his kingdom was going to be earthly, worldly. He was going to set up like a military rule, and he was going to take Jerusalem and, and Israel, the, the space there back from from Rome, and he was going to kick Rome out. Like He was going to be this major king. And so here James and, and John are like, hey, when you're on that throne, let me be your number one, number two. Does that sound like the way politics works? In our world, you do favors, and then and, and you get... In kind, I'll do this favor for you. Give me that seat. Give me this position. See how the games work. The games have been played 2,000 years. They've been played since the beginning of time. It's not new. Amen. And they said, we want to be on your right and your left. And Jesus said something powerful to them. He said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And they're like, oh, Yeah. Like, whatever it takes to be on your number one and number two, I'm ready for it. We are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. All the other disciples heard about this, the other ten. They get mad, indignant. Why are they getting to be number one and number two? Jesus calls team meeting. Y'all get in here. Huddle up. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. I want to share this reality that absent Jesus, and a change in our hearts, this is a point you can write down. absent Jesus, uh, people uh, seek out their own self-interest. uh, Just be ready for that in life. The natural status of man is to seek out our own self-interest, self-preservation, self-power, leveraging and using and manipulating the system and people for our own good. Okay? I mean, there are good people in politics that hold political offices, uh, um, but the whole system is set up for self-preservation and self-promotion. It's the way... It works. And so we find here in in Acts chapter 12, about that time, and you remember what happened last time Barnabas had gone down to Antioch. Man, good stuff happening in the church at this point. You know, since Stephen got martyred, uh, I mean, Saul got saved. Cornelius got saved. They went down to Antioch. I mean, this is a revival, people getting saved. It's going so good. Like, it's great. It's like, oh, this is church. This is what God's doing. I'm loving this. And immediately we get to chapter 12 and they're like, they, they just said what was happening in Antioch. And they said, meanwhile, basically back in Jerusalem, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He just got in his mind. He's like, I've had enough of this. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. James had asked for a place of honor. And Jesus said, my kingdom is different. You're going to drink from a cup of suffering. He had the apostle James, brother, killed with this sword. So all of a sudden we see here in the storyline that as God's church grows, there's always persecution against it. That that pro, that following Jesus does not always promise rosy rewards and success. And by the measuring stick of mankind, like the bank account going up, the you know I was successful. My name was in lights. Was rosy was listening to that song Champion. Well, y'all heard that song, like I've been waiting my whole life to get my name in lights. So that's one of the lines out of the song, right? And so things are going well. And we we find that following Jesus doesn't always lead. To what we would see and identify as worldly success by worldly measuring sticks. What we find here is Herod is doing this because it's popular, it's politically good, it's helping him. There was a, a, a minor in government in college, and there was this book we had to read by a guy named Alexis de Tocqueville, and everybody just fell asleep. But he, he talked about this thing in, in democracy, thing called the tyranny of the majority. And and he, and he said it like this abandonment of rationality. When as Tocqueville remembered, a decision which bases his claim to rule upon numbers and not rightness or excellence. And all of our founding fathers understood this, like this a risk of democracy. What if everybody well, if we're ruling by majority, well what if the majority is wrong? Right, well if the majority's making bad decisions, we're just making decisions based on numbers and, and so we put a lot of things in place balance of power, legislative, all the stuff, not getting into all that love democracy. What I'm saying is there's risk involved with politics and seeing the church as playing some major role and being a political machine to affect and influence politics. Here, here's what we had with Herod. Here's the second thing you'll see. But not only do people absent Jesus seek out their own self-interest, some people even use Jesus for their own self-interest. What? Man, it's quiet. Some people even use Jesus for their own self-interest, good or bad. Here's what Herod did. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people after he killed James and he saw how excited the Jewish people were and he was ruling in the Jewish area and he's trying to maintain control and status quo and power, when he saw the Jews were excited, he's like, I'm on this. I'm going to go arrest Peter. That would be a cool thing to do. That would help me. They'll like like me even better. I'm going to take one of the main ones out. I'll put Peter in jail. It says this took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing Peter under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So he, this, is, this is all political strategy, okay, that Herod is using. This is why was Christ crucified? It was political strategy strategy. It was self-preservation. It was trying to make the most people happy. It was trying to move, it was trying to protect themselves, the, the king. And it, it was, I think it was his grandson or nephew of this Herod was Herod the Great. They were all connected. And so we now here have it again. He's arrested Peter. He didn't just arrest him. He put four squads of four men. This was not normal. And if, as you read on, and we're going to get to it next week in verses six through 19, amazing things happen with Peter. But he got four guys watching, two right beside him, two watching the door at all times, 24-7, four people on Peter. So we got two people here in the season of life, and you may be here. You may be thinking, man, I'm following God. I've gone all in on Jesus. I'm following him, and, and you know, I just I don't see it. My, my life's not working out like I thought it would. You know, I'm not getting the place I want to go. I didn't get the job I want. I didn't get this. Uh, well, James got the sword. This is encouraging. I'm just going to encourage y'all. Just going to encourage y'all. Like, you can just be so thankful. You ain't got the sword yet. So, praise the Lord. Give him a shout, something. And Peter's in prison. He said, Are you willing to drink from my cup of suffering? What I can't find in the New Testament is after Jesus gave the, uh, I'm just going to share some things with you. Are you all okay? I already have. Like, I may not be back next Sunday. Who knows? (laughs) He said, therefore, go and make disciples. Go into the world, go into the nations and make disciples, baptizing, teaching them. He did not say, therefore go and take over all the governments of the world. You never see Peter and the disciples in the early church organized and saying, Here's the problem, we got to get him out. We got to get our person in. Do you ever see, somebody tell me, do you see them doing that? No. Every throne of leadership in this government, in this world, has been ordained and set in place by the one we speak to every day, the God of all creation. You never see them saying, we just got to get us a group together and we got to fight this political war so that the gospel can win. Jesus didn't say organize politically and overtake a political party, make it your own, and put all your hope in government. Here's what it is. Here's where we've come to. And I'm just some guy in eastern Kentucky that's saying it's garbage where our country has come to. That we're disillusioned by power and hunger to control the government when we serve the God of all creation. And we lose And and we try to lobby and we political and jockey for power and position all while we can just pray. While we can share the gospel and it changes one heart at a time. Everywhere in the New Testament when a community is transformed, it's because revival broke out. And the gospel did not change the leader. He changed the heart of the people. And they became new people and their families became new and the community became new. One at a time. That's the role of the church. And what happens is you play with fire when you get hungry for power and influence. I can't promise this will be your demise, but this is what happened to Herod at the end of chapter 12. i got to get to some positive stuff. Please. Acts 12.20, this is the end of the chapter, Herod. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, another two towns. He's mad at them down there. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. This sounds like politics. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's chief of staff. Got his blessing. And an appointment with Herod was granted. When they arrived, Herod put on his royal robe, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a God, not of a man. This is Herod using Jesus for his own self-interest. And instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. I mean, I'm just going to the end of this. So we can move on. I'm not saying this is the baseline principle that everybody who does this is going to be consumed with worms and, and, and die. And actually, there's medical people that have actually studied this and realized and discovered that that he likely had uh, a real illness, a parasite living inside. Like I'm not going to go any further. Anyway, the guy died instantly after giving this speech. And in Acts 12, 24, we find something powerful. We find something that even though a man with an agenda that was against God, it was all about himself, it says, Meanwhile, while this craziness is going on, the word of God continued to spread. And there were many new believers. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the politics felt out of control, like God had lost control. Like it, he, he hadn't. He had not lost control. And there were many new believers. So we've said absent Jesus, people seek out their own self-interest. Some people even use Jesus for their own self-interest. And the final thing I want you to just jot down and think about this truth is that Jesus works through people to accomplish his good and perfect will. All people. You think, man, Pharaoh was like the worst. He kept them in captivity and then... You know, he finally let him out after Moses got down there, and then he's coming and chasing him. He gets him cornered at the Red Sea, and he's evil. He's like, he's, he's, yet, yet God said, I raised him up for my purposes. God works through people to accomplish his good and perfect will. You see, this, it doesn't really feel fair this, these five verses we've read. Um, you know, James gets murdered, Peter's in prison. Uh, Peter ends up getting rescued out of prison, which is I promise if you want an uplifting sermon, next week will be good. But guess what? The, the Bible is not verse after verse of encouragement. There's encouragement even in this truth. I can encourage you to say it feels like it's out of control, and it's not. That meanwhile, God is still at work and he is at play and nobody has taken his agenda from him. Nobody has put his plans off track. He is in complete control. And it says, but while Peter was in prison, man, I love this. The church prayed earnestly for him. The entire church was in one mind praying for one thing. Here's here's what I want you to, to realize is that maybe you thought I was going to talk about religion and politics and I was going to say you need to vote one party or this. Here's what I'm going to say is don't make politics and government an idol. Don't think all the hope for our future rests in that. Let me remind you that God called the church to love their neighbors, to take care of one another, to share the gospel. Neighbors of any political persuasion called us to be the church, not a political party or movement. I spent a lot of time in government, a lot of time there. Can't, uh, I've never been elected to office, but I've worked with a lot of people in office. Uh, and I've seen a lot of nasty things. And I've met a lot of good people. I can be honest with you and say, without offending anyone in office, I think they would all agree it is a difficult task to maintain genuine. Concern and love for service. The system is messy and it's nasty. It just is. So we have to trust God to build His church. We cannot get consumed. With who is where and who, if our person is in power or not, or uh, some legislative or some, w- we cannot be there. God calls us and uses us to reach a lost and broken world. There's lost all around us. the The reality is that um, uh, many of the challenge and the problems that our communities face. The church is backed out of the way that we should be serving and loving our neighbor. And we've given some of that responsibility to a a government that does not necessarily spiritually or, or relationally care about the people that it's serving. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. When things seemed like they were going out of control, here's what I want you to know. Man, God was getting ready to blow that place up for good, for good stuff and in good ways. Because this is Peter, and I'll give you a quick preview. And I, I want to connect one thing to small groups here. It says they were praying very earnestly for him. Peter gets put in prison, and he's sitting there, and the day comes that the next day uh, a Herod is going is, is to basically publicly execute Peter. He's going to use this Jesus movement for his own political benefit. And we can do that for good or bad. Both sides use it for good and bad. Get on CNN. Get on Fox News. Breaking news from Pikeville, Kentucky. They all have an agenda. All of them have an agenda. He's getting ready to kill Peter. Peter. God sends an angel. Oh, but Herod, he's the the ruler. He's in so much power and so much control. Now he's in, we can't do anything. Church is over here praying. And and an angel shows up in jail with Peter and says, wakes him up, taps him, wakes him up. Peter, get your clothes on. His shackles fall off. He gets up. He's like, all right, well, well, get your coat on, the angel says. We're going. They walk up to the gate. This gate, it can never be opened. It's locked. It's huge. We need Herod. It, it pops open. Nobody even touches it. And they walk out and they get, guess where they go? They go to the, this house where they're praying. And guess how many people can pray in a house? Probably not 150. It's probably a small group. Plug for Nubian small groups. And they're praying. He knocks on the door. And the, the handmaid, the servant, comes to the door. And, and she said, Who is it? And, 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 and he's saying, Let me in. And he doesn't say his name, but she recognizes his voice. She says, It's Peter. It's Peter. So she goes to the group that's praying. And, he's, and she's like, Peter's at the door. And they're like, No, he's not. He's in prison. We're praying for him. And she said, yeah, he is. He's at the door. Meanwhile, poor old Peter just escaped from prison. He can't get into the door of the church. God broke him out of prison. And he gets to the church, and they won't let him in. He's still standing out there. And, and, and finally, they, they, they hear his voice, and they finally let him in. They're like, oh, my gosh, it is Peter. It's like this story that uh, I found this week about this little town, a nightclub went on Main Street, and there was one church in the town, and the one church said, we're going to pray that place out. And they prayed all night, prayed it'd burn down. I'm not advocating for that. But they prayed all night, it'd burn down. Lightning hit it, and it burnt down. And so the nightclub sued the church, who denied fault, who said it wasn't my fault. And so the the judge hears both sides of this. He said, I I don't know who's at fault here, but one thing I know is the nightclub people believe in prayer and the church does not. (laughs) This is what's happening in in this story in chapter 12. And so what I want you to think, here's Peter in prison, James been murdered. It's just falling apart. It's never falling apart. It's his church. He'll never fail. will never fail. It's going to accomplish his will. It's perfect and good. He's going to love people. More people are going to come to him. People are going to hear the gospel. Families are going to be changed. This is the truth of God's word. Churches, God's church is not dying. It's multiplying. And we won't do it through political power and aggression. God, we thank you for this uh, difficult message. Thank you, God, that you can show us where we've made idols out of things and people, positions, politics, government. God, I speak on behalf of this entire community, of this, enti- of this region, when we say we're Sorry. we thought all those other things could help us. God, for the times that we thought we couldn't win, the church couldn't win because someone else was in power, things didn't line up the way we thought it should, I'm sorry that we forgot that you are the God of all creation. You are the miracle worker. You are the way maker. God, we just pray that you continue to make a way for your church in this town and this place. And I'm not saying new beginnings. I'm saying every faithful Jesus-following church in this place and region would be set on fire, would be fueled. You'd make the way to get us realigned to our mission, that the church would become again the place we were broken and messed up, run to and not from. That this would be a place of hope for the entire community, for the entire, that everybody that comes across could say there's good, the church has made a difference. We are blessed because the church is in this place. God, we pray that we would be your hands and feet, that you would turn our hearts towards you. You'd put a hunger in our soul for you. God, that we would not look at locked gates and retreat, but we would move forward. And confidence of your power. That you proved on Calvary. That you proved when you rolled the stone away and you were resurrected. When you proved victory over death. When you promised we have that resurrection power living inside of us. The Holy Spirit giving us strength to do your work. God, we pray today to build Your church, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song this morning. And it's a simple song. This is knowing that regardless of whether anyone goes with us, or not to and now knowing that Jesus invites us to follow him and find places of honor with him, and that's not the places of honor as this world would measure it. But maybe it's just that someday we we close our eyes in this life for the last time. And he says, Well done my good and faithful servant. You served me faithfully. I doubt he says, you did so good getting your name out there. He says, you made me famous. You made Jesus famous. We're here to make Jesus famous. It's one decision that changes everything. It's just simply following Him.